previously on The Player's World. We were introduced to a new strange character before we followed Luz and Rainbow as they both visited Raven's Rags, each having unexpected trips on their magical teas. And Ava learnt more about what's going on in her intimate conversation with the hotel. Let's see how this all unravels in The Player's World. Good evening, Master and Miss. Allow me to introduce myself properly. I am Banjo, the clerk and administration manager here at the hotel. I have been instructed to forward on these to the both of you. And with two white gloved hands out, he holds in one hand for each of you, uh, for Eli, a folded note. Take it. Yeah, you open it up and there's only three words written on there. My lab, ASAP. Oh, I'm gonna take. Yeah, I know it says ASAP, but I'm gonna take five minutes just to take a breather because there's it's been a lot in the last 24 hours. So I take five minutes, get my composure, and then I'll head. Mm-hmm. What do you do in that five minutes? Do you just chill, or do you do something, go somewhere? Well, as I said, I'm just gonna kind of gain my composure, and the trench guy, he just. He's annoying me, but he just kind of seems, I don't know, I'm like he's fascinating in a weird way. I know nothing about him. Okay, I'm not sure if this is going to work, but can I try and use tune in on him? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yep, 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 do it. Okay. Oh. Oh, no. Oh. Uh... Oh, that's six. Uh, okay, and on a failure, what happens? The monster becomes aware of my location. So it kind of knows that I'm trying to look at it. Oh! <laughs> okay, this is good. Oh, boy. What does it look like when Eli tries to do this tune-in ability again? Like here in the hotel. It looks visually, his eyes go black when he normally does this. But it somehow just looks more angry. It just kind of is a little bit more violent. Just like, I'm tired of this. Like, where are you? Why did you ruin my life? I think instead of seeing through the monster's eyes for this time, you... It's much like when Elle uh, from Stranger Things taps into the monster and it's like just empty blank space and then only the figure standing there. So I, I think that's all that we get, like rather than the background and like and like where Trench is at. You actually see Trench now in this space, and he's kind of facing away from you. And at the moment he's unaware, except you see that he's holding a phone up to his ear. He's not talking, he's just just listening. And then he stands up straighter and his ears maybe kind of perk a little bit and he spins around and looks like directly at you, sees you looking at him and you get like a clear look of of his face at this time. And the only really noticeable thing that hits you is these like sunken, distant eyes. 
and a crooked smile twists up his face as he flips the phone shut, pushes it into his pocket, and gives you a wink. After his vision returns, Eli's going to sit there seldomly for a second, or not seldom, but kind of just, I don't know, neutral-ish. And he wasn't really sure about any of this beforehand. Mm-hmm. I think after specifically that experience, he's going to kind of sit and say, I'm going to find you. But before that, I better get whatever this is over with. And I'll head up and I'll head to the lab, I guess. We watch Eli meander through the hallways, sort of down towards the back corner of the hotel, up some darkened hallways. And then you arrive down at the end of this hallway to... Dr. Marvels' lab. With a hefty shove, Eli wrenches open the metal circular vault door to the lab. And you step into a mostly familiar room. Everything appears to be in the right place. The cabinets and tables and chairs and benches and everything is all where it should be. Only that now like, the entire lab has been coated in a deluge of thick black muck all except for two places in this room so everything's covered except for two places in the center of this room resting under a dusty old sheet something large and rectangular uh much like the shape of like a wheel in a whiteboard but again like it's it's not covered in muck so you assume it was like wheeled out afterwards but you can't tell exactly what's under this sheet And the second space that isn't covered is a small circle where it would seem was the epicenter of this mess. Over on the far bench, a small vial sits in a beaker tray. Can I get close to some of the black slime? Like a step into this room would like squelch under your shoe uh, and you... Hmm. Roll plus shop. Are you kidding me? Double ones. Okay. That's all right. Chuck down an experience point, but yeah, I think you just sort of step into this room and... Oh, I'm actually one away from leveling up. Oh, wait, do I need to check one down for that last one too? (laughs) Yeah, you failed, dude. Oh, that means I leveled up. (laughs) Oh, sick. What do you want to do? What do you want to take? I don't know yet because this just happened on the fly. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So we'll just keep this as like a hold for you. Like you can choose whatever level up you want to spend whenever. Yeah. I think just there there is only just like wet squelching under your feet as you step into this room and maybe you like kind of tap it with your finger a bit and it's just it's familiar. Okay. What was his name? Uh Dr. Uh Marble It's Dr. Marbles. Oh. And then suddenly there's movement but like behind the like sorry, beside the spot on the bench as a black gloved hand reaches forward and then picks up the vial. And holds it up. And like you didn't notice Dr. Marbles there before because like he too is covered head to toe in this month. And he grumpily croaks. Care to explain, boy? I mean, that's kind of what I came here for you to do. This little sample of yours exploded earlier and ruined my laboratory. I'm sorry? What happened? I don't know. I wasn't here. 
<sighs> I think Dr. Marbles like adjusts the dark blackened goggles like over his eyes and he can, he reaches across to the bench behind him and ruffles like a fresh piece of paper out in front of him and he kind of shifts in his chair before asking you a series of questions, much like a medical examination, like, you know, those checklist questions? Yeah, yeah. And he kind of says, let's get to the bottom of this. Hmm. Have you ever eaten something you weren't supposed to? Like in like, like the allergy sense or like stealing? Oh, like it made you feel funny and sick inside. Um, sure. I've had like food poisoning before and but that was like a long time ago. Then he reaches to like his uh, breast pocket and his lab coat, clicks on a pen and just like uh, strikes that question out. Have I drank something that didn't agree with you? Uh, I tried a protein shake once, threw up about an hour later, wasn't very good. No, like, I mean, didn't agree with you as in like down to every bone in your body. Mm, not to that degree. Mm. Strikes that one out too. Ever been bitten or attacked by something foul and unwanted? Uh, I got bit by a spider earlier, and I kind of just pull up my shirt and show the massive wounds, and I pull up my leg, and just like, there's that. It's like uh, oozing that green pus. Oh, God. That kind of sucks. Hmm. And did any of your magic stuff happen after that first bite? Or was it pre-existing? It was like two days ago, wasn't it? Technically. Yeah, you used the Jinx ability. Yeah, it was like two days ago, and that was before all this happened. Mm. But then before then, I'd never had that kind of thing before. So two days ago. Hmm. And he swipes that question off the list as well. Ever been possessed? I'm not... I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Is there a maybe option on there? Mm. Okay. Kind of far as his brow and puts like a question mark next to that one. Yeah. Have you ever lived for a prolonged period outside of Broadstead? Eli's gonna stop at that second. Do you mean like the city? Of course. Yeah, I um, I I I've only been in Broadstead. All right, pause it here. Stop. Stop the recording from here. Okay, this is Sam from the future editing this episode, and I've only just found out that. Uh, the software that we use has actually failed to record this next little bit. So you're going to find out why we couldn't go back and re-record it. And hopefully that reason becomes a little bit more obvious towards the end of this uh, episode. However, the basic gist of what we've just gone through is that uh, Eli says that he hasn't lived in Broadstead all his life, uh, that he's been living in a fake town that he, he gives a fake name for. And Dr. Marbles turns around, looks at him up and goes... Where is it? It doesn't exist. So, yeah. Back to it. Is anything here said confidential? Uh, I don't know how you know behind his black goggles, but he narrows his eyes. And he says, uh, what is it, boy? Uh, I'm too tired to lie. Um, I say, I'm from... I don't say, I don't even build up like that. I'm from Bogdan. Hmm. Turns back around at the map. Turns back to you. Where is it? Um, I guess it's, uh, not on your map, technically. What do you mean? I mean, I take a look at the map. There's nothing about Bogdan on there, is there? <laughs> nope, nothing. It's not on your map, 
because it's a different world, kind of, or reality. I'm not sure. Have you ever heard of anything called Earth? Hello? Can I set my fingers in front of him? Hello? I think he's just like forward brow staring off into like blank space. Like he's in deep thought and like doing deep calculations on everything. And like when you click in front of his face, he like snaps back and he says, so you come from somewhere else, but you're here. How? Elevator. What? The, the, the elevator in the main hall. The elevator. The elevator's never worked. That is how Augustus got me here. Hmm. The elevator. Some kind of portal. And then there is immediate movement in this room. Underneath, like, the coating of, of, like, this black mark around the room, everything begins to sort of light up. If you remember, I explained that there are, like, tables full of, like, meters and machines uh, hooked by cables up to another table, which is, like, beakers and, like, fluids and stuff. And then that goes to another table with machines, and it's, like, all hooked up around this room somehow. And it all feeds into a wall socket uh, on this far wall. And the far wall is like floor to ceiling covered in cogs, all like uh, interlocking at their spokes. And the movement comes from these spokes as this entire wall begins churning and rotating at once with a grinding metal sound. And off to the corner that feeds out of this wall uh, sitting on a tiny little table is a single, like, old, like, 1990s fax printer. And uh, that kicks on. And a feed of paper comes out as this room now starts to whiz and 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 whir and buzz around you. Dr. Mutt, with, like, speed that you haven't seen before, lurches out of his chair, shoves past you, and, like, immediately goes straight to this paper rips it out of the machine and begins to, like, like, as it's feeding through, begins, like, reading everything. Sit there and wait. <laughs> uh, is this normal? <laughs> Shh. And the whirring and buzzing continues as more paper is fed out through this, uh, through this machine. And I think as Dr. Marbles is, like, ruffling through these papers, he, like, absentmindedly says to you, I've been getting interference from, I don't know, somewhere. Some institution or it's something. Somebody's having a one-way communication and I've, I've somehow tapped in on it. And he, like, points an elbow to uh, the stack of papers um, that's next to you on the bench and it's sort of, like, next to this machine as well. And I think we get to see what, like, these this one-way communication is because, like, on each line, uh, a new series of questions pop up. The first one that uh, Dr. Marbles looks at says, where's Augustus? And then the next, tell me what happened. The next is, I see Ellen. She's close to you now. And you have Alistair in your past. That's why you are here. And lastly, Alistair wishes to shepherd darkness and evil into this world and will stop at nothing to make this happen. And I think you take a look at the stack of papers that's like, uh, like, like older, uh, like, like an older feed from this, uh, sitting next to you on the bench, and you read the top entry. 
And you recognize it straight away because it says Broadstead Museum now. And then you look at the next one and it says, will you take the deal? And then under that, it goes on and it's, you you know that this is the, it's the log of the hotel's communications via the fireplace. Does it feel like it's necessarily giving questions to like one specific person or is, does it seem like it's multiple people? Um... I don't think you can intuit that. All you get is just that, like, it's the one-way communications. Okay. You don't get the response, or you, you don't know who exactly they're talking to. I, uh, how far do these messages go back? What do you want to know? I want to know if on the day or the day before Augustus brought me and Ava in, it seems like this one-way communication asked uh, Augustus to bring us in. I think as you sift through these piles, you go back maybe one to two days. And sure enough, you find uh, a communication that reads, we still need two more. And then under that has your name, your full name. Oh. Ava's full name, followed by use the elevator. Eli just kind of... He wants to do two things. But in this moment, Eli is just unsure of how to assess the situation he's in. Just kind of standing there thinking. I think, Eli, you're just sort of standing there thinking uh, all of this through before Dr. Marbles kind of like rips off the piece of paper, folds it up, pushes it into the pile that's next to you, and then returns back to his seat and you, you turn around and away from it. And he holds up the vial again and he says, Look, you said you were attacked earlier. This vial, as he holds it up, containing your sample, exploded earlier. How earlier? Uh, I think we like can somehow tell that it happened at the same time uh, when Eli went dark mode. Eli doesn't remember what happened when that happened. <laughs> hmm. I think his friend is... Uh, air quotes, friends, <laughs> told him. But he is still a little foggy on it as he was, you know, bleeding out and almost dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. I forget what the specifics were told to me, but I think it was something along the lines of I sort of blanked out or something like that. I don't really remember very well what they told me happened. <laughs> hmm. Here's the thing. This isn't normal. <laughs> You're telling me. What's happening to you is not natural, and I fear. I have the feeling it's not good. Maybe it's my old age and my. I don't know. How do you feel? Angry. And tired. I can understand that. Ava, we jump back over to you now, and I think you've maybe just closed uh, the office door behind you as you, you've exited from having this uh, little intimate conversation uh, with the hotel. What would you like to do now? Um, I think she's going to go explore the hotel. I think she's feeling kind of restless. Ooh, okay. Yeah, right. 
That's actually one thing I did not expect. Ha ha! So, <clears throat> I think we watch Ava as she begins to also meander through uh, the mostly empty hotel hallways. You'll pass like some, maybe some maids just tending to like some uh, room changes. Also, like maybe there's a couple people in the lobby, maybe just kind of cleaning up from last night's party. And you head down one of these uh, stairwells. And as you're crossing the threshold of like the railing that sort of runs along the second tier of this lobby, you notice to your right a very sweet, very eloquent uh, a voice. Singing out, and it sounds like it's coming from this like massive, massive chamberous room. And you look across to your right, and as you peer into this room, there inside is a large, like three story looking room that has like black and white checkered flooring and it is this like rich mahogany think of like an orchestral hall or like a ballroom kind of thing uh, here in the hotel and this place is like very warmly lit with candles and like a couple of lanterns it's a real it's a real vibe in here yeah from the center of this room like leaning against maybe like a grand piano off on the far side kind of like facing the opposite direction a soft sweet supple voice uh, calls out into the reverberating cavern. Coming from a lady who has like, she's she wears this like beautiful dark green dress and she has like this lovely dark complexion and you actually remember her. You remember her from last night when you first came into uh, the hotel, uh, when you came in out of the elevator. She was actually sitting off to the right at the reception desk, uh, kind of chatting flirtily <laughs> with, uh, with Banjo. Okay. And she sings this like beautiful triumphant operatic tune. Um, I think Ava's gonna slowly approach, kind of cautiously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think she's gonna get to a point where she's maybe like a couple feet away from the stage, and just kind of watch in awe because of it's almost like being caught in like the, a siren's lullaby or yeah tune. She doesn't really quite know that she's moved forward she just has mm-hmm. so kind of awkwardly if anybody were watching it'd be very awkward <laughs> but to her she's just kind of like standing in the middle of the room like fixated <laughs> yeah i think maybe as you're like shuffling forwards you like uh maybe there's like a chair or something and like you just kind of scoot into it and you kind of catches you off guard and also catches this singer off guard as she quickly turns around and, and sort of like Obviously did not expect an audience at this time because, again, she's, like, in this room completely alone practicing. And you catch her front now and she has this, like, gorgeous gold necklace with, like, these thick beads around it. And, like, a gorgeous emerald uh, eyeshadow as she kind of narrows her eyes a little bit. But then, like, a warm smile crosses her face as she says, Hello, darling. I'm sorry, I did not expect your company. Uh, hi. Um, I didn't expect to be here either, so I guess we're even? (laughs) My name is Madame Rochelle. It is a pleasure to meet you. And she steps forward and she holds out her hand for you. Um, Ava approaches and gently, like, takes her hand. It's Ava Roberts. Nice to meet you, too. Ava, a beautiful name. Thank you. Uh, you have a beautiful voice. 
Oh. That's kind of what brought me in here. <laughs> Thank you, darling. I'm practicing for my performance tonight. Performance? Yes. I have a sensational performance aligned up in the upper district at the Exeter Castle. Castle? As in like, oh shoot, where's that invitation? As in like the Exeter Castle? And she like pulls out the invitation she got from um, Augustus's office and like shows her. Yeah. And uh, you look at the bottom of the uh, of the invitation. Oh, I see it. It actually says. See, I got that. I, I got it. I know. It's her. <laughs> Holy moly, bajolies. Darling, you'll be there. I'm so excited, Ava. Oh, man, I'm, I'm excited, too. This is going to be this is gonna be amazing. Oh, are you musical in any way? Perhaps I could uh, introduce you to the uh, to the routine. Can you play the piano? Yes. <laughs> I've had a couple lessons. Can't say that anything ever stuck, though. Oh, just reprimale. Come, come, darling, come. And she motions you towards the piano. <laughs> what can Ava play? Uh, <laughs> Ava's going to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. <laughs> Madame Rochelle pops like a warm hand on your shoulder and she says, You play excellent, darling. I am so... Uh, inspired by your music how long have you been playing for um ava like scratches the back of her head and like grins uh not you know it's it's been a couple years it's been a couple years um since i managed to touch a piano so this has been refreshing and uh how long have you been here in this hotel not long i actually think i remember seeing you the first night i was here you were talking to um was it Bruno, I think his name was. Oh. Uh, yeah, Bruno. The, are you talking about the handsome receptionist? Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> his name is Banjo. Banjo? Yeah, Banjo. <laughs> I thought it was Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, that fits. I've only met him once. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. I'm so excited to... Uh... Man, this accent is like all over the goddamn place. I'm going from like... Dracula to like French to like Latin, Jesus. She can't decide what she wants to be. I'm just one guy with only one voice. Forgive me. Nah, you're good. Gosh. Well, darling, I do not want to uh, uh, waste too much of your time. I actually do have a lot of practice at that. I need to as as more spittle, more spittle. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we're gonna try learning to French as uh, I need to have a little bit more practice for tonight but uh, I don't know what to keep you long I would uh, rather you have time to uh, relax for your evening and I will uh, I hope to see you this evening uh, I will um, definitely be seeing you this evening have a good practice wonderful thank you Eva Roberts much love much warmth darling bye <laughs> As she kind of backs away and returns back to the stage and continues uh, singing her operatic tunes. And I think that was enough interaction for Ava to go back to her room. (laughs) (laughs) Fair, yeah. (laughs) That was too much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we watch Ava 
dwindle her way up to her room. When you open your door, Ava, where's the first bench? Like, where, where's the first tabletop when you step into your room? So probably like three or four feet in, it's like a coffee table. Okay, yeah. You, you notice like sitting on top of this coffee table because it wasn't there earlier. When you step in, uh, there is a small box, kind of like um, like a wedding ring sized box uh, with a small note attached to it. And the note is a burnt piece of parchment. And it reads, I almost forgot. You will probably need this to get to the party tonight. And you flip open the box. It's a set of, uh, it's a set of keys. And this is for your, remember you did a level up and you were going to grab a vehicle? Yes. This is it. This is you getting it. Yay! Somehow, intuitively, I don't know how, Ava knows uh, to go down to the back alley. Like somehow, you guys, you can't like expect me to be able to narrate everything. Ava knows to go down to the back alley. You make your way down there and you step out and, uh... I think you get to see this back alleyway like in the daylight for once. And it's just like, you know, classic standard stock, stock regular back alley. Got dumpsters, you've got vehicles and stuff parked all along it. And off to the left, under one top is like the roller pod that you guys took to get up to, to get up to the cabin. And next to that is another vehicle underneath a tarp. Ava, what's your chosen vehicle for your level up? as you rip this top off. So I really wanted a vehicle that kind of embodies the old world that Ava came from, as well as the new world. So I'm trying to think like a nice old fashioned like car. I'm thinking like a, like an old um, like Corvette or a Mustang, maybe like a McFly. And then it's painted kind of like a, so like the middle part is yellow like a bright yellow and then like the sides are all gray and it of course hovers oh yeah um and the lights are like a light blue and then it's got like a little some like trunk space so that way you can fit uh equipment in it Mm -hmm. and it look it looks i mean it's probably not a car that anybody in bogdan has Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's they're not going to have any frame of reference for it, but Ava is. And that's what's important to her. I think, yeah, I think uh, everyone's like private means of travel is like a roller pod. So like this like uh, rectangular looking thing is like A, going to stick out like a sore thumb. But B is going to like look hella fresh because like there's nothing else like it. So, yeah, that's her car. Epic. Is there anything that you get when you have a vehicle? Because I think I have to pick a couple um, like tags Choose two good things and one bad thing about it. Yeah, and I'm trying to think. So I'm definitely going to choose like a medical kit because we tend to get hurt really bad. <laughs> cool. I dig it. Um, And then I'm kind of between armor and classic, but I think I'm going to go with armored. Okay. Hell yeah. And then the bad thing is, of course, with the bright yellow, it is obvious. <laughs> An obvious vehicle. Yep. That tracks. Ugh. Very cool. I'm so yeah. excited you guys finally have a vehicle. Yeah, da, 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 da. yeah I'm excited. <laughs> 
The screen falls blank once again, and another string of text fades in, which reads, Earlier today, we hover in front of another building again. Uh, this time it's daylight, and the midday sun beats down on the city of Broadstead now. The building is the museum, and a hefty crowd has gathered behind barricades and blockades, bustling to see what the action is. Moments ago, we saw our hunters part their way through the crowd and head off towards the hotel, and we stay here for a moment. When that same trench coat covered figure from earlier moves his way through the crowd. The crowd each kind of turning their head one by one, sees your attire, and quietly steps aside to allow you through, until you reach the front of the barricade and duck underneath it. One of the last remnants of the scene inside is extracted under a white blanket. As a pigeon-headed brown suit tumbles and drops the heavy limb of a spider leg that like rolls out and skids across the pavement. And like a couple photographers like reel in snapshots in quick succession as more brown suits scurry over to, to cover the dismembered limb and like remove it from this scene. And we see the figure we've been following dump two heavy luggage bags he's been carrying at his feet. Reach into his trench coat, pull out his phone and make another call. You have reached the voice mailbox of... Dave Knight. Been a while since I've heard about this place. And what I'm hearing now... There's a lot of chatter going around about what happened here all those years ago. And now you're involved. Well... Should have expected something like this. I'm in Broadstead, and I'm not going to wait for you. So you'd better get ready, because we're going to need to talk. And then I flip my phone closed and slide it into my pocket. I'm just looking at the scene for a few moments longer, thinking. While you're standing there thinking, we see Chuck, uh, the sort of fill in second in charge leader of the brown suits uh kind of step forward who sees you like obviously on the wrong side of the barricade and it's kind of like uh, oh, excuse me sir i don't think you're uh, supposed to be here you have to uh return i turn and look at him with like three like 180 degree head crack turn and look at him oh oh my oh um uh um and who would you be Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn you. Damn you. <laughs> uh, my name's uh my name's Chuck. I am the leader of the Bronzers here. Uh, uh we're currently undergoing an investigation here. Uh this scene is closed off to the public, sir. Um It's a good thing I'm not part of the public. Huh? I uh, pull out my wallet from my pocket and my badge and I show them to him. Yeah. In the role to manipulate someone. Oh, yes. Uh, I believe that's plus charm. Six plus. That's a nine. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't, uh, I didn't, 
Uh, actually, yeah. I do remember hearing something about you. You're, um... Ah, uh, was it Detective Day? Dawn. Dawn, sorry, sir. I did hear a uh, correspondence about you, uh... You coming to, to, to help out and join us. Um, well, uh... And I think he kind of, like, pokes out his, um... Cliche, uh big belly and kind of like tucks his thumbs into his belt and he's like uh, it's we've actually uh, got this scene uh, pretty under control if uh, i do say so myself we're uh, <laughs> quite competent here i look at the body <laughs> you like tilt to the side and look past him i t- i tilt my head like just a little bit more like in that unnatural way i have yeah, you look past and like more brown suits behind him are like struggling to hoist the spider leg into like the back of a van. And it's like keeps popping out under the sheet even more and like more photographers like keep snapping photos. <laughs> uh, and uh, Chuck continues. Listen, since you are here under this sort of uh, minor jurisdiction of us here at the brown suits here in Broadstead, we, uh, we've got a couple things for you. We will have a little uh, office space set up for you uh, by tomorrow. As it seems, uh, with our competence, I don't think we need you right here, right now. And uh, and he takes a look at your uh, luggage that you've got at your feet. And he goes, um, what we do have for you, though, is a, a, a nice, neat little place for uh, any guest to uh, the force here. And uh, I think we'll, I think first things first is we should set you up there. And then maybe later this evening or early tomorrow morning, you can head down to the precinct and we can... Uh, we can get you all caught up. How's that sound? That'll work for me, you guys. Have your hands full right now, it seems. That'll give me some time to get the lay of land, see what's going on here. Yeah, and I think Chuck quickly, like, just, like, goes off to, like, another van and, like, rifles through uh, some sort of equipment or whatever. I pause for a second, and then I go, Although I have heard about a place here in Broadstead. Hmm? Yeah? Does the name... The Hotel of Discovery mean anything? Well, yeah, of course. That's where uh, that's where the director lives. That's his. Uh, uh, well, uh, the first in charge, Augustus, is his name. He uh, he's kind of the director here at the Brown Suits, and he also owns the uh, hotel. So that's uh, that's uh, where he resides. But uh, he's uh, currently um, incapacitated. I raise a feathered eyebrow. Yeah. We, uh, we're not too sure in his state either, but, uh, if you need to, uh, visit the place, I guess, uh, you can, and he gives you, like, the directions of, like, how to get there. All right, I nod, and I pick up my luggage. I think, uh, he sees you picking up your luggage, and, like, you begin to go in, here's a uh, Chuck quickly calls out, oh, by the way, uh, Detective Don, here! And he hands you like a, a torn piece of paper that he's like scribbled an address down onto. And he also hands you like a very like elegant looking brass key. And he says like, uh, your accommodation, if you uh, wish to drop any bags off before you do any personal business. Yeah. No telling how things will go. Thanks. And I take the key in like, hmm. Yeah, I just take the key. I was like thinking, how many hands do I have free? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> do I really want an intimidation factor and take it in my beak? <laughs> like, just snap it out of his hand <laughs> like a fucking viper. <laughs> <laughs> 
after giving the crime scene another look, tilting my head as I think about Dave and his whatever he has to do here. I turn and I leave, taking a look at the piece of paper. I go to the address specified. Um, let's do a jump cut to Luz and Rainbow, who have just like crawled back through the laundry uh, tunnel, and you step into the dingy other side, uh, where Maggie's still there, and she says, uh, "Oh, hey, what's up, homies? How you doing?" Uh, you know, just had a gosh dang dilly darn breakdown, as the kids say. Oh. Ha 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 ha. Oh, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Just I. I need to go lay down for a solid five days, but I'll I'll be back whenever I'm ready to come back. Yeah. And I'm just like walking towards the door already. It was nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Home Slice. Yes. Home Slice. <laughs> and then I'm I'm going to follow loose. Yeah. Bell above the door rings as y'all exit and go back out onto the street. And then we kind of follow you guys as you walk your way through more regions of this city. You've come out of like the residential area. Uh, You've gone through the business district. And for the sake of expediency and brevity, our story slows as we catch you now kind of walking through the market uh, region of the city where like it's pretty much just like tent city out here. There's all these canvas tents set up and vendors trying to sell you very dodgy, cheap stuff. Some things you've got like a... there's like fruit vendors, um, maybe people trying to sell you like fried foods, as well as like handmade goods that like maybe Rainbow's a little bit interested in because that's like kind of her jam. Oh, oh, I can add another necklace. Oh, does Lou slow down with me if I start window shopping? <laughs> we all need a little mm-hmm, mm-hmm. retail therapy. <laughs> with the money I don't have in the pockets I don't have. Lou's will buy you something. Ah. <laughs> I already stole you a bunch of outfits. I could buy you something. Oh, I will help the economy, I guess. Necklaces. Get your necklaces here. Wooden straight from the Broadstead Forest. Organically made. Do they, do they stretch? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, because if they don't stretch, I might get choked. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They stretch. Uh, sure thing. That'd be, yeah, 15, 15 bucks. $15 for a necklace? Hmm. Oh, come on. I gotta make a living somehow, Toots. Rainbow, do you really, really like it? What does it look like, Sam? Uh, wooden beadlets that have been threaded through uh, what seemed to be like uh, horse hair. Like horsetail hair. Hmm. It's been like wound together in like a braid. I do like it, but I don't want to make you buy something for me that I don't love. And then I'm going to smile at the necklace guy and be like, you do a very good job. Thank you so much. Okay, okay. I hear what you're saying. 12 bucks. Uh, hey. Since we're so nice, can we make that ten? Now, can I can I roll to manipulate someone, please? Dude, I think you don't even need to. Like he'll be like, yeah, sure, take it, ten bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you, Rainbow. Not understanding, he was definitely incredibly adamant about not mm. letting go of it for anything less than whatever fifteen bucks is. There are no deer here. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll pay for it and I'll just hand it over to Rainbow. Oh. Make sure it does stretch, though. I'm I'm idly stretching it right now. Uh, it does not stretch. Nah. Mm. You can wear it for me. 
He sees you like trying to stretch it and he's like, uh, yep, that'll just be 10 of your finest dollars. As he's like pinching his two fingers together to try and take the money out of your hand. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm just going to give him the necklace back. Do you, do you have like literally anything else? I'm going to pull the money away. Okay, okay. You, you, okay, eight, $8. $8 for the non-stretchy necklace. $5. Six. This will I'll be keeping my money then. Five five fifty. Five fifty. No, five. Oh my gosh, it's fifty cents, dude. Five forty-five. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> I'm just kidding. Five, five, five is five's good. Five's good. Five Okay. Bucks. I take the necklace and I hand him the five dollars. And I make sure that my wallet is nice and safe. And then I <laughs> walk away. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, he like tugs at the note and bites it and is like, Pleasure doing business with you. Yeah, get over yourself. <laughs> it was nice to meet you. Goodbye. So maybe after buying this necklace, uh, Lose Rainbow, you both uh, kind of like traipse around through like the network of these canvas tents and you like go around to like the next row and you start walking your way backwards. And when you come to like, uh, like, like the end of the row, Lose. Uh, there is a canvas tent with a sign that says uh, Dave's Divinity. <laughs> How's that? Oh, no. What's like a better note? What's a... Uh... Discount Divinity. Oh, yeah. Luz, take it from here. What? What? Describe this to us. What happens? Uh, I, I wanted to walk by it at first, but then I saw these, like, just gorgeous wings. Like, these mechanical wings. And they're, like, glowing with this, like, yellow... Like this golden, sparkly energy, and I'm like, whoa. I also notice a little sign next to it that says, if you don't have divination magic, don't worry. <laughs> There's a little GPS right there. And I, I want I want these to be uh, my, my divine wings. And I'm going to just like look at it and I'm going to be like, whoa. I can run so much more effectively now. I'm the charming. Uh, Seeing you like oogling, oogling, oodling, ogling, ogling, ogling over uh, these wings, turning around and walking towards you, uh, the shop vendor says, oh, it's you again. Ah, oh, no. <laughs> and you notice you've like stepped to the other side of his tent. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to like stare at him in disbelief and then peek around behind him and just be like, oh, I see your jewelry over there. Yep, I got uh, necklaces and divine objects for sale. Do you make these? These, no. Them, yes. And he points the thumb to the necklaces. Can I? Wait, is he lying? He's telling the truth. Mm. Mm. Oh, uh, are, are these wings good quality? These wings are the best ones that I've been able to source uh, in from my supplier. You will know that they are, uh, however, non-refundable, but fully functional, perhaps, but you will know. You'll just have to, uh, you know, maybe give them a little bit of a test run. And uh, I know there's a whole lot in that box, but uh, how much... Uh, how much you're looking for these wings? Um, you seem honest. How much are they base price? Two fifty. Like two dollars and fifty cents. Two hundred fifty. Oh Jesus. Um, I'm gonna look at my wallet. 
Do you accept trade? Well, it depends. What do you have to trade? I'm going to pull off my stretchy necklace of teeth and be like, you could put these on several necklaces if you want. Oh, a stretchy necklace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's worth about $250 right there. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? Yes. <laughs> Done deal. <laughs> and he swipes out and he grabs those necklaces off you. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> I'm going to take my wings and I'm just going to put them on and start fiddling with the controls of the GPS because I don't have divine magic. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so whenever I roll to go somewhere, do I pr- do I do cool instead of uh, weird? What do you want? You, you tell me. This is. I point. desperately want that so I can actually level up more. Ah, <laughs> uh, cool. Done. Yes. All right, you roll plus cool to use your wings. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> Read us out what the wings do. Uh, you can go instantly to anywhere you visited before to a person you know well. You carry one or two people with you, roll plus cool. Uh, on a 10 plus, you all go where you wanted. On a 7 to 9, you don't quite manage it. Either you are all separated or you all appear in the wrong place. I imagine a 6 would just be like, nope. Yeah. Or just to completely wrong place. But We'll see where we go from there. But yeah, now you've got uh, now you got these wings. They're all yours. Rainbow, do you want to test them out? I can carry. Sure. Can I be your backpack? I can be your jetpack. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna just like kneel down, just like the. All right, get on. Yes. And I'm gonna like wrap my myself around her like a backpack. <laughs> <laughs> Adventure. And I'm going to. <laughs> Input the hotel if that's okay. It doesn't mess with your story, Sam. No, that's fine. All right, dude. Roll plus cool. Okay. To try and go to the hotel. I got seven. Hell yeah. But is that seven minus one? Oh, minus one. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work. Uh, like I planned. We end up on the roof of the hotel. Help, Rainbow. I think that's exactly what happens. <laughs> oh, you know what? Uh-oh. What? Ava. Oh, no. Yes. Is the top of your... Does your car have a top on it, or is it... Oh, no. Let's say it has a cool sunroof. <laughs> a cool sunroof. <laughs> I think we watch this lose. Remember, just jet off into the sky doing loop-de-loops. And uh, go soaring towards the hotel. Lou's trying to make it to the front doors but overshoots it and just spirals down into the back alleyway and (laughs) I think (laughs) that like falling down Rainbow is able to land like kind of feet first perfectly through the sunroof and like the douche lands into the passenger seat next to you Uh, but Lou's doesn't make it through the hole and just like (laughs) smacks into the roof oh god Oh, like a pen. How much damage do I take? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is too comedic. There's no no damage. Oh God, I, just for just the comedic. Just slapstick. <laughs> I'd be dead. <laughs> My whole face would be off. And you're reunited. The whole time you just hear. <laughs> Ava's in the car fiddling with the radio like this strange station. <laughs> <laughs> 97.9 WNCI. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I'm just like holding on to the like the oh shit bar on the side of the car and like the center console. 
And they're just like, oh, hello, Ava. Uh, hey, Rainbow, where where did you come from? I'm sliding off the car and you see my face <laughs> going down the window. It's like, oh. We. Oh, she's getting slobber on my new car. <laughs> we, um, I think that'll come off. We, we found some wings from a necklace maker and he did a trade and now Luz can fly somewhat. (laughs) 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 Right. I think as soon as I hit the ground, I'm going to hop up and be like, that was awesome. Oh my god! I've never felt that alive in my life! I hope this doesn't make me a, a, a junkie of some kind of of, a, of excitement and adrenaline! <laughs> I'm just gonna throw my hands up and then walk towards the door for the hotel. <sighs> Is she alright? Did Should we go check on her? She's not great right now, but at least she seems happier. where did you guys go by the way you just kind of vanished oh i don't know how much of this is mine to tell because luz shared some very vulnerable moments with me and i think i could break her confidence if i shared some of it but i found A magical brew that, like, can show you the future. And Hmm. I took it, and I saw what might be the future. Okay. (laughs) What did the future look like? So, we were at a party. Or I think it was a party. It was a room full of people, and there was music, and dancing, and everyone was wearing, like, suits and dresses. Trenchcoat was there. But he wasn't the trench coat. He was like a shadow. I. He wasn't actually a physical, real presence, but I was aware of him and could see him. And he was moving through the crowd in this sort of like amorphous, shapeless matter beast. I think we're supposed to stop him. Well, I mean, I know we're like, we should stop him, but I think something really bad will happen if he like. Gets to those people. I think Ava's going to lay her head on the back of the car seat and sigh. And then she's going to pull out the invitation and show Rainbow and be like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what we're supposed to do, too. Go to a party and I'm going to take the invitation. Yep. That's uh, what the fireplace told me anyways. Hmm. All right. You did smell a little smoky. Yeah, that that would be why I had a nice uh, heartfelt conversation with the hearth, I guess. (laughs) You used my blood. I'm so happy. So I guess we better tell the others that, you know, this is kind of where we go now. All right. We can take my new car. I've never ridden in a car. Well, does the Rollapod count as a car? Yeah, I guess it does here, but uh, this is my car. And Ava gestures around. Probably doesn't look like much of what you see here. It looks fine to me. 
and I'm I'm starting to poke buttons on the dash and like oh, changing oh. the radio channels. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, no stop, stop, stop that, please. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> oh no, are you one of the ones who's like really, really particular about your car? Maybe. Oh God. <laughs> You're going to want to put a towel out or I'm going to get hair and like slobber in your car. I'm hoping maybe I can run into somebody with magic cleaning skills. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to like stay in the car with you and be like, all right, should we get them now? When's the party? And I'm looking at the invitation. Um, it doesn't say. It doesn't say on the invitation is uh, tonight. We'll just say that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but we should probably go tell the others and um, I guess head that way. It could be, f- is fashionably early a thing? Is that is that something people do? I think so. It can be fashionably early. We jump back up to Eli, who stands in Dr. Marbles' lab, still thickly covered in the, the black muck explosion that happened early this morning. And uh, I think Dr. Marbles is still just kind of like sifting through like some papers and is just like deep in thought about all of this. So, uh, my magic's not natural? Definitely not. Is it? Well, that means that someone or something put it there, right? Yeah, it's been like... Uh... I don't know, synthesized or something. Like it's been added in. Can it be unadded? I don't know. I've never tried. My 80 years, I've never seen anything like this. I don't know how successful it'll be. Can it work? Yeah, what's the worst that could happen? All right, um, so we can, we can do this? <sighs> he just kind of like squeezes his temples a bit saw that his, like, attempt to, like, try and lighten the mood just definitely did not work. Look, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'll have to think about how exactly we're to do this. You understand how difficult this task is that you're asking of me, right? You understand, boy? Yeah, but, um, I feel like it could be worse if we don't do anything about it. Mm. Who knows what other beautiful rooms you're going to ruin? As he just kind of vaguely gestures to, like, his, like, dripping lab. Hmm. Well, um, I'm, uh, I'm gonna go take a minute to think and maybe eat something, because kind of looks at the giant gash wound that he showed <laughs> Dr. Marvel's earlier that's still bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't kind of want to die in the next hour-ish, so I'm gonna go get this wrapped up while you think on how to do this, if we can do this. I think that's a good idea. This, um, yeah, I think this needs some some thinking. I mean, this is going to be playing with, like, your, like, your biology, your genetics, your DNA. This is who you are now. I have no idea what adverse effects it might have. <sighs> I think Eli will kind of nod at that, not really having, like, a word-like response mm-hmm. to give to that. And just say, uh... Well, I can't get any worse than how much my life's already been messed up, so. 
Well, I'm going to go bandage myself because I, I, I seriously am. I'm kind of bleeding out here, so I'm going to just... <laughs> ah, well, here, take this. And I think, like, he boots an elbow against, like, a little uh, tub. And uh, a little purple vial pops out. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of, like, shimmers and glows with a slight little purple science goo ooze. And he tosses it over to you. Catch it. Is it corked? Uh, yeah. Uncork it. Sniff it. What's it smell like? <laughs> Science goo. Now, let's say it smells like a uh, grape. How's that? It smells like grape? Yeah. Like grape drink. Mm. I don't want grape drink. I want purple drink. I prefer orange, but whatever. I'll down it. <laughs> Science goop. Yeah, it like tingles and fizzes and bubbles as it goes down. And almost immediately, uh, you feel the reaction happening. The tingling then like sort of transcends from like in your tummy to outside and i think maybe like you lift up your shirt and you can see like bits of the wound are now starting to patch themselves up huh convenient yeah it's nothing special but uh does a little bit go get something to eat and uh i'll start getting things set up here i'll go do that um i will head into my room uh i will grab like piece of paper i guess if there's like anything around and i'll understanding how dangerous messing with the biology of something is then knowing they have lab rats for a reason <laughs> uh we'll write a note to i guess whoever finds it uh, maybe to the crew the saying um i'm very tired Guess whose microphone didn't pick up the things. I'm trying to do a song for it to make it a little bit more fun. Yeah. Uh, so Eli's mic stopped working right at this point. Essentially what he's writing in this note is that he's sorry, that he's tired, he wants to go home, and that he can't do this anymore. That's basically what he wrote on the note. And now we return. And then I'll um I'll fold it up. I'll bring it to Augustus's office. I think when you um step into the office, you push down on the brass knob and um swing the door backwards. It's less vibrant in here than what you previously remembered. Uh, the room is empty. The room is still, and over across the wall, the fireplace gives just a soft glow to you as you enter. Look around. Place the note. On the table. Can I look around through Augustus's stuff? Uh, yeah, where do you want to look? I guess in his, like, drawers or, like, in cabinets and that kind of stuff. Anything with information, I guess. You sift through some of the papers on top. And um, from mostly what you can see, it's just, like, uh, hotel administration documents of, like, uh, like, orders of, I don't know, food and towels coming in. Maybe, like, a guest's. You see, like, a guest's register. Anything like a personal journal? Uh, you can't see a personal journal on the top. As you kind of sift through the other drawers, you find like, uh, I, I think like another like sort of guest registry of um, uh, people who haven't, uh, have come and passed through this hotel. I don't know, just various like insurance documents and stuff. And you go to try and reach, uh, sorry, you go to try and open up the top left drawer. Uh, but that drawer is locked. Hmm. Trying to decide if it's worth it. 
Eh, well, one last hoorah, why not? Uh, can I try and use magic to rip the lock open? <laughs> right. Are, are you trying to break it, or are you trying to open it? I'm trying to open it. <laughs> okay. Alright, cool, cool. Roll plus weird. Uh, that is going to be a 12. Ah, oh, damn, dude. Alright. Roll two fives. Nice. When you go to use your magic, you feel resistance at first. Like something is pushing against you doing this. Uh, And the thing that is pushing you against it feels like it's everywhere. And it is strong, but you manage to kind of slip through it. And with a click, you hear the lock open of that top drawer. What do I find? You slide it open, and sitting on top is a photograph of Augustus who stands with his arm around a young boy. And we saw this photograph. It's the photograph uh, with the ancient one who still wears, uh, even though he's a young boy, the spectacles that you saw Luz pick up. Uh, he's got a stopwatch around his, in his breast pocket. Uh, the same necklace that you actually have is around his neck and he holds a, uh, he holds a staff. You see that photograph, flip it over, and you see that that is a 200-year-old dated uh, photograph. Huh. Is there anything else in there? Is it just a photograph? Uh, you read around a little bit. You find like an old pair of glasses. You find probably like too much lint somehow for some reason in mm. there. <laughs> ah. But you also find a uh, red leather-bound journal. It's a small little uh, hand journal. I'll flip it open, just kind of page through it a little bit. When you flip this open, there are no dates recorded. Okay. There are just entries. I'll start with the first entry and I'll do I'll just do the first entry and then do, I'll do the last entry. Okay. Uh, f- the first entry that you read, for the sake of brevity, I'm not going to like read out the entry. I'm just going to give you like the main gist. TLDR. <laughs> you find out that there has been some sort of triumph against some evil. You know that uh, Augustus had some help from a number of people in doing this, uh, who go by the names of Mavis, Agnes, and I forget the other names that I mentioned in the alleyway. <laughs> Just imagine that I'm saying those names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, and that you, you, you see that uh, Augustus is hopeful that this, is, this will be a lasting peace. And then you kind of flip over towards the back entry. And when you read this last entry... It's sort of quite the opposite. You get a sense that Augustus is quite worried and anxious and is afraid that uh, this, this triumph, this peace, is ending soon um, and that Alistair will be returning uh, once again and that it is time once more to rally some troops. All right. Uh, I will take the photograph and the page and the book, and I will put it right next to the note, and I will take out a pencil that I'm assuming I'm still uh, carrying, and I will add a little uh, PS on the top of that, saying that I found these uh, in his drawer, and I hope that it will help. And then we'll take a, I'll rip a blank page out of the back of that notebook, uh, write, I'm sorry, you chose wrong fold it up and I'll throw it into the fire. You toss it into the embers of the fire and it just sits there. The paper doesn't burn. It just sits on top.
hoping you were going to get me for once in this hotel, but guess not. And I will make my way over to D-Marbles. Yeah, we transition over to uh, the laboratory where, uh, Eli, you push open the big vault door one more time and you see that the that big rectangle board that had the sheet sort of thrown over it has now been... The sheet's been taken off and the board has been uh, stretched out and it's unfolded into uh, like an old brown leathery surgical table that has like a single like a uh, fluorescent lamp over it and uh, two little like sort of wheelie trays lying next to it, uh, each with like some utensils and, and beakers and different sort of surgical equipment. And uh, Dr. Marbles is just kind of uh, lolling about, just continually uh, getting things ready. And he says, uh, right, so uh, suppose I'm just about ready. All right. What do you need me to do? Right. Over here. And he points to the points to the table. He says, uh, make sure you take your shoes off. I don't want any muck getting on there. I take my shoes off. And your feet stink. Ew. <laughs> As Dr. Marbles kind of finishes uh, setting up, you see that he's sort of dragged over a couple of tables uh, of the, the beakers and the machines and the meters. And he's created like a smaller circuit uh, all looped together. And... You see that it all loops into uh, one little, like, handheld device. Uh, And it's like a... It's like a plunger, like a little suction cup thing that you see has, like, a small little, like, metal probe on the inside, like a sharp needle probe. He places it on the bench beside you and and pulls up a stool and just kind of plunks down onto it and uh, says, Are you sure about this? Not really. But I'm gonna do it anyways. Wonderful! It's good for my research. And he pulls out from behind him a fat stack of paperwork. And he's like, "I need you to sign this first in case anything goes wrong. I don't have any legal obligation or liability. Just sign here, initial here." Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, and, and and on the top there. Okay. Oh, do you need me? But there's another blank space down here. Do you need me to sign there no. too, or no? No, no, no. Just the date. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got. It. The uh, slides that back into a folder and just like plunks that somewhere safe. You ready? Yep. He uh, kind of just helps you like lay back onto the table. There's like a little pillow there for you and he like helps you push your feet up. He kind of like uh, wipes like the fringe away from your forehead. And he says, uh, good luck, boy. Thanks. And then you feel a heavy pressure uh, coming from your forehead as he slams down this sucker cup thing uh, right into your forehead. And you feel like a small prick. Oh. It doesn't go deep. If I live through this, I really hope this doesn't leave a mark. (laughs) And, uh, God, he didn't even sterilize it. Oh, yikes. Oh, God. (laughs) And uh, he reaches behind him. Uh, to one of these meters and flicks it on and then the smaller circuit that he has uh, begins to uh, whir and buzz alive and you see like beakers turn on in like a loop around you lighting up all the liquids in the beakers that then like um, uh, bubble and like froth over like down tubes and into the next set of glassware which fuels some sort of electricity that goes into like the next machine 
and this whirring and buzzing just builds and builds around you and Eli you feel your body begin to to vibrate and I I, I mean like it vibrates to your blood <laughs> you feel electrified you feel more alive than you ever have and then you feel something begin to tear inside of you oh boy you feel as though the very fabric of your body is being ripped into and the pain is excruciating and i think you let out just a blood curdling howl as every fiber of your being now feels like a thousand icy knives stabbing into it all at once Eli roll plus weird to determine how this extraction goes here's the roll one at a time okay that's a six isn't that like a that's a a, a failure right (laughs) I mean we've been going for about 20 episodes now yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah that's a failure I think when you start to feel this tearing occurring like deep inside, you feel like it's taking too much. You feel like that whatever this extraction is doing, it's not just taking the darkness inside of you. It feels like it's taking everything out of you. And then you feel it start to take the feeling out of you. You start to lose the feeling in your legs. And soon your hands aren't there anymore. And your chest, which I imagine is like, has this ragged breathing. That doesn't feel anything more. And all you feel is the panic and the anxiety and the stress of of what's happening to you and what's happening to your body. And then as this process continues on, that begins to fade as well. That panic is taken. That fear. And you're still conscious But still, all you are is observing. And you see like very foggy, very like hazy movements happening in front of you as as we see Dr. Marbles sort of leaning over and he 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 pulls back the pulls back the device and he's kind of like checking on your vitals. I still have a level up, right? <laughs> you do. Uh, he, uh, it kind of seems like I'm getting the soul ripped out of me right now, uh, so I'll do that weird sight one. <laughs> that lets me see things that are invisible. What? What's the move? The sight. Right. And it's you get to see things that are invisible? 
Uh huh. You can see invisible. Uh, you can see the invisible, especially spirits and magical influence. You may communicate and even make deal with spirits and see them, and they give you more opportunities uh, to spot clues when you investigate mysteries. Right. Eli, as this stillness kind of sets over you, you start to see something. And fading in, kind of like rendering in as another layer to what you see in this room. Uh, We saw it before in the alleyway, is the spectral plane, where all around you, from the essence that covers this room in the thick muck is that dark, deadly vibrance of of Trench's powers. And as this extraction carries out, you see something also being added to this space. What color would Eli's vibrance be? Uh, green. We see the wisps of Eli's light green vibrance drift upwards out of his body and then dissipate. As Eli, your vibrance has now also been extracted. Should we also kind of explain to the audience what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I imagine this is quite abrupt for like anybody listening who like isn't keeping up to date with like what's happening uh, with us. But um, uh, Gav, if you care to explain. Yeah, uh, so I am going to be leaving the game. It's mainly just because I, I have kind of just decided that it'd be better uh, for me to not uh, play anymore, uh, mainly for, you know, mental health purposes and that kind of stuff. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I want you to be like as comfortable as possible, like within or without the podcast. Yeah. I I don't know if I can speak for the rest of everybody unless they want to chime in, but we've like absolutely loved having you here, man. It's been awesome to explore Eli's story and, and work together on this. It's been really awesome having you here. We're going to miss you. Yeah. Yeah, Luz doesn't get to complain about me anymore. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Eli had to die when I stopped hating him as much. <laughs> we'll miss the original quartet. Quartet, yes. And my ever-shifting accent. <laughs> we all have shifting accents. Yeah. Well, at least it's not as bad as Sam's. He can't even freaking, like... <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> Bully! Bully! Gay, okay, get out of our podcast! Ah. Oh man, how are we gonna make uh, Gav his old jokes now? God damn, yeah. Oh, uh, Gav got so old he died. I didn't realize that connected to my character. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> We're gonna miss you, Gav. Yeah. I was gonna start singing the New Year's song. It should old acquaintance be forgot and Gavin brought to mind. <laughs> uh, but uh, you guys continue. I really have to use the bathroom, so I shall leave you to be. <laughs> You're fine, Bye. dude. Bye, Bye Gav. Gav. Bye. Oh, he's fading away. No, oh, I was still gonna listen in on the chat. I'm just, I just need to use the bathroom. <laughs> no, he's fading away. No, that's that's what's oh, happening. Oh, Gav, don't go, uh... Mr. Gus. I don't feel too good. <laughs> <laughs>